was so big and it was so full of sounds, you know, but looking back, it was a beautiful home. I would give anything to have it now, but we would go upstairs when we were brave because we were scared of the upstairs and it had not been finished. And even like on the doors, you could see down the walls because they hadn't finished off the doorways and looking down the halls, the house had been put together with wooden pegs that were about this they were about six inch round trees basically or limbs or whatever and that's what they had used to put the house together with it was so old but it was a it was a lovely house and I remember that one a lot more than any of the others for some reason I guess um I don't know just because it was neat you know and like I said we and we talk about it a lot now as adults because we loved it through the day but at nighttime it was scary. I recently had a whole heap of VHS and old school cassette tapes transferred from the old school form into digital. Included in those tapes was a grade six performance of myself and classmates in primary school acting out different little skits and no doubt having a little bit of nerves and fun in the process. I remember my grade six teacher quite well. He was gentle, he taught us body relaxation and yoga. He would allow lots of outside time and definitely piqued my curiosity before heading into high school. I think back to a lot of the teachers that I've had and have stuck in my mind for very different reasons. And I must admit, I've been fond of many of those moments and memories alongside my adult journey. Today's guest is a former teacher herself, and I'm actually a little bit of her sidekick in her podcast as well. I have really loved having Holly in my life and can't imagine it now without her right there. I'm Linda Bonney and this is Stories with a Sunday Roast. Holly Totten, welcome to the community. I'm so glad that you have joined us. You're actually in Texas? I'm in Central Texas, in Whitney, Texas, which is Central Texas. Okay, yeah, and you're currently in the middle of a windstorm as well. We are. (laughs) (laughs) Is is that a common occurrence or is that? I mean, there's there's typically wind, but not like this. This is like a 40 to 60 mile an hour windstorm. And it'll last until the sun, it's, it's early morning here, and it will last until the sun goes down tonight. Usually when the sun goes down, the wind lies. Yeah, wow. Yep. And yeah. you're also sort of midwinter as well. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not supposed to get above 45 degrees. And so the when the wind is that strong, it makes it feel a lot colder than it really is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about your street. Tell me where you are at the moment, the, the looks, the feels, the colours, all those, those sort of things of where you're living at the moment. Okay, we are outside of the town of Whitney. We're about two miles out. Whitney is a small town and we are in the country. So we don't, like, we can see our neighbors, but we don't have, like, next-door neighbors. Typically, through the summer, spring, and fall, it's green. 
because we tend to have rain throughout the year for the most part. Summer times, a lot of times we'll get a drought and things kind of get brown, but it's really, it's kind of, it's not extremely flat. There's a little bit of rolling to it, some really pretty trees. All the neighbors, they're not, like I said, they're not like next door neighbors, but everyone out here, we keep our yards really nice and mowed and flowers. And so it's really pretty. And we live actually on a dirt road. There is a hard mm -hmm. top in front of us, but the dirt road runs beside us. So it's dusty, cars go by. And when I walk, it's funny because the, I can, there's a different smell to everyone's pasture. And I know that even though it's outside, mm -hmm. I know that's crazy, but you can almost tell going from one place to another just because of the smells. We have horses and we ourselves, our, my family has horses and sheep and cattle, dogs, cats, you know, all the animals and then the neighbors and we have cows as well, but the cows aren't right up by the house. The neighbors have cows. So when you go from one place to another, just the sense is different, but it's all outdoors and it's, it's really a nice place. I, I love it. We've, you know, raised our family here and just the, the scenery and the smells and, you know, it just feels like home. Hmm. There's something quite nostalgic for me about driving down dirt roads. My grandparents grew up at the top of a dirt road, which was um, a big part of my childhood and growing up. And I know that recently we've just been camping and that's quite a windy dirt road, dusty dirt road. And there's just something quite special for me about driving right. on dirt roads. I tend to get lots of thoughts and brainwaves and conversations yes. and just feel <laughs> quite quite nostalgic so yes it's really yes, good to hear. I would agree there's nothing quite like being in the country on a dirt road I yeah, think it's, exactly it has its own flavor yeah and I know there's some people in the world who've never driven on a dirt road which just but, I'm sure me. that's true yeah I'm sure that's true yeah really yeah. it blows my mind <laughs> <laughs> uh definitely so how long have you lived in your current house we have been here um 28 years. Mm. So we, um, we moved here when our, our kids were young and, you know, and they've, we've been here ever since. It's the longest actually that I've lived in one place in my entire life. Mm. And you were saying it was built in 1910? Our house was built in 1910. Yes. It's an old wow. farmhouse. And when we bought it, we were young you know, with young children, with big intentions of, you know, redoing and um, life happens. <laughs> yes, all kinds of ambition. And, and you move in and everybody's busy going, you know, different directions and life happens. And we are finally 28 years later, starting to redo the house. We've taken it down <laughs> to the original wood floors, which are beautiful. And, mm. um, you know, we've restored one bathroom to the closet tub and the the wainscoting and that kind of thing. And we're currently working on the kitchen and the, the other bathroom. So it's fun. It's really neat watching the contractors get down to the bones of the house because in both bathrooms on the walls, as they broke through the layers of things that have been done over the years, there's the original wallpaper that is cloth. Yeah, wow. Yeah, you know, and, and so it's really it's and it's not like material, it's a whole different, but it's cloth backed and mm. um you know, it's just really neat to see the bones of the house through the years. Mm, as, as they work on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
I'm sure you have lots of fond memories with your kids oh, growing up there as well. Yes. Can you tell I me do. about it, some of your you favorite? Know, we have, uh, yeah. Yes, we have talked several times about relocating and that's kind of an exciting thought. But then when I really think about it, it's like, I really don't want to leave here because I, there's a tree in the backyard that I look at that's huge now that wasn't quite as big when we first moved here. But when I look at it, I see my son in that tree, you know, five and six and seven and eight year old son who is now 30. I see mm. him in that tree Yeah. and the front yard, my daughter, uh, was a gymnastics and cheerleader. And I, I see her tumbling across that front yard all the time, just when I sit out in the evenings. And when we moved here, my daughter was two and a half and we were in a single wide trailer before we moved into this house where you could hear everything. There's just a mm -hmm. difference in the a trailer house and a home and being able to hear. And my son is um, four years older than her and they were outside playing and Riley, my son, came inside and Chelsea was still outside just in the carport. And like I said, we're in the country. And about three or four minutes later, Chelsea came in as a two and a half year old holding a box from the UPS van. And I never heard him drive up because it was so quiet, you know, having a house. And we laugh about that because I would have never left her outside alone at two and a half for very long, you know, thinking someone would drive up. So I'm glad he didn't snatch her because <laughs> I'd have never known. <laughs> but, you know, the, it, going from one place to another and moving into a, a home, I, I remember I was so happy to be able to, um, you know, clean and take care of. It was our first real home that we lived in after we were married. And yeah, there's just, there's a a lot of memories in this house, friends and family, and just watching my kids grow. Mm. Um, yep. And now your grandkids as well. Yes. Yes. Mm. I have my, my grandkids are coming through and, and part of the remodel that we've done before we started it, you could actually walk a circle, like through the bedroom, down the hall, through the living room, through the kitchen, back into the bedroom, down the hall and, and walk a circle. And we've since closed that off. And, and made a closet into that bedroom. And my kids were both very upset with me. They were like, you know, our kids, your grandkids will never know the fun of running that circle around and around. <laughs> and yep. I said, yeah, you know, I, I didn't think about it. They're right, but we needed mm -hmm. a closet. So <laughs> yeah, I, look, I remember in the house that we used to live in, we had a similar sort of circle and uh -huh. we used to I'd, I'd stand or in the corridor on one side and my sister would be on the other side in the, the lounge slash kitchen. And we, sh we used to play a game called Fox and Wolf. And basically the fox would be the one in the <laughs> corridor and the wolf would be the one in the other room. And the fox uh -huh. had to try and get in through the corridor like and shoot across into must have been like the bathroom on one side and the like the bedroom on the other and you used to have to run back and forth and back and forth and back and forth <laughs> just this we used to play that for hours until yes. I'm sure that mum was like oh that's enough uh, no get more. outside like <laughs> trying to cook dinner <laughs> right which that's is such bad memories <laughs> yeah and we have another circle at this house that we're living in right oh, now okay. as well that uh -huh. the kids often just 
laps yeah. around. And, and that's around what my kids did, you know, they around and around. And so, like I said, my kids were a little upset with us when we closed that off. But, and this is kind of a fun memory. When we redid the bathroom, there were two uh, thumbtacks on either side of the door jam close to the floor. And when I pulled those out, I remembered when my son was younger, like, I don't know, I'm going to say maybe second or third grade, he had, he strung a fishing wire across there with those thumbtacks for a trip line <laughs> <laughs> to trip us as we would go in. And the line came down you know, years ago, but the thumbtacks never did. And so it kind of broke my heart to pull them out, <laughs> but I did. <laughs> So just backtracking a little bit for a minute, tell me a little bit about the place and houses that you grew up in as a, as a child. Did they have circle laps that you could? <laughs> Some of them. I actually, we moved a lot when I was growing up. Mm. I went to 13 different schools in my 12 years. Wow. And so the longest I ever lived in one place was four years growing okay. up. And, and there were some years when we would live in two or three different places. And a lot of my dad was not military. He was military before I was born. And some of it, it was his job. He was a television engineer. And people don't believe me when I tell them this, but it really is the truth. We would go on vacation and my dad would like it. and We would move there. And <laughs> because he was, he was good at his job and he could pretty much get a job wherever he wanted, mm. you know? And so, like I said, we would go on vacation in, to Nashville and we ended up outside of Nashville in a little town called Hendersonville. And it got to where my brother and I were like, dad, we like it here. We don't want to go on vacation this year. <laughs> so but we, that, that put us in a lot of houses um, mm. through the years, the majority of them, I'm going to say, all but about two probably were in the country, similar to where we are now, mm. different states, you know, we moved around into different states, but mm. um, for the most part, they were older farm homes, you know, I, and I guess that's where I get my love for it because that's pretty much the way I grew up. I do remember when we were, when I was very young, we lived in Waverly Hall, Georgia, and the house we lived in was a stagecoach stop mm. long before we lived in it. And it was beautiful. It was a big home, had a wraparound porch, um, two-story. It had seven fireplaces in it, but the upstairs had never been finished. And the, the stagecoach, when it was running, ran through the center, and then there were rooms on either side. And somebody had taken that and closed in the center and made a huge hallway. And so in the daytime, my brother and I loved that house. In the nighttime, we were scared to death because it was so big and it was so full of sounds, you know, but looking back, it was a beautiful home. I would give anything to have it now, but we would go upstairs when we were brave because we were scared of the upstairs and it had not been finished. And even like on the doors, you could see down the walls because they hadn't finished off the doorways and looking down the halls, the house had been put together with wooden pegs that were about this they were about six inch round trees basically or limbs or whatever and that's what they had used to put the house together with it was so old wow. but it was a it was a lovely house and I remember that one a lot more than any of the others for some reason I guess um 
I don't know, just because it was neat, you know, and like mm-hmm. I said, we, and we talk about it a lot now as adults, because we loved it through the day, but at nighttime, it was scary. <laughs> mm, it sounds like it, that contrast of emotion is probably something mm-hmm. that sticks with you, especially as a child. Right. And, and that's something that yeah. you, that probably makes it a little bit more memorable. Yeah, probably well. so. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, that's, I don't know, we were, I was, I'm going to, I don't know exactly how old I was when we moved there. I'm going to say probably four to about seven. We were there three years, I think, and and through second grade, you know, and so, um, yeah, you know, I just, I remember that and it was on several acres and we had like a hundred pecan trees and we spent our days picking up pecans because my mother would sell them to the local grocer and she we laughed because she always told my brother and I that she had put a red X on one and thrown it back out and whoever found the red X got the prize. Well, we never found the red X and, you know, and as adults, she was like, shoot, I've never put a red X on one of those. I just wanted to cook dinner in peace. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, so, classic. Yeah, lots of, lots of fun memories there. Mm, definitely. Um, how do you think it's changed for me, the home is like a foundation that it somewhat sounds, even just with what you've shared right now, it sounds like it holds the same memories probably for yourself and for your daughter and son and for your grandkids. Like home is that foundation. But how do you think times have changed through the generations? There's a little less of the fear-based concepts I think maybe 50 years ago of letting your kids sort of roam a little bit down the street and up the street now I feel like there's a little bit more pressure there and maybe a little less time spent outside with some families Um, how do you think it's changed through the generations you know, I think it has changed a lot. I do feel like home, and especially in our family, is the foundation and the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a safe place, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a comfort. But I do think it's changed as far as, like you say, being outside and being able to go explore. I think as far as safety concerns, I think it's it's changed a lot, even with my kids let's say 20 years ago, then out in the country, I did not feel safe just letting them go down the dirt road without being able to put my eyes on them and being able to check in with them. Whereas when I was a child, my brother and I would leave after breakfast and we just had to be back in by dark, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so there was (laughs) pretty much everywhere we lived. And I do remember as my kids were growing that I missed being able to give them that freedom. Mm. I missed that for them. I missed that for me, but I just didn't feel like safety wise. And I mean, nowadays, even with my grandkids, it's even worse. And as they got older, my son on his four wheeler and, and friends, they would go down the dirt road and, but only as they got older, but I still kept an eye on them. I made sure that I could you know, see them or know they had a time to be back and if they weren't, whatever. But it's definitely was not leave after breakfast and be in by the time the streetlights come on, which is basically what I grew up with. 
you know, mm. and, um, and my parents just didn't, I, I'm not going to say they didn't worry about me because I think you always worry about your children, but I don't think they were scared that something was going to happen to me through the day going and doing mm. something brought on by someone else, which is what you worry about nowadays is a, a stranger or, you know, something mm. like that. And so I, I think that's a big difference. And I, I do, you know, I, I really did miss that for my children. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like my kids would be back in five minutes saying they're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we did show back up and eat, but it, it was, yeah, uh, we, sure. you know, it, we did not have to, it was <sighs> just go play, go, you know, go find your friends, go, you know, my, my brother would, yeah, he'd get on a horse and take off. And, you know, mm. the, it, even though we were in the country, there were still people nearby, you know, mm. and then there was a time, one time when we lived in Hereford, the place I lived the longest, we actually lived in town on a street in a neighborhood. And especially those four years, because that was like fourth through eighth grade for me. And those years, literally, we would leave, especially in the summer, you know, as soon as I was up and dressed and had breakfast, I was gone. And I had to be back mm -hmm. in, for the most part, by the time the street lights were on. And we'd go to the swimming pool, we'd go play putt-putt, we, you know, just whatever on our bikes all day long. And mm -hmm. my kids never had that freedom. Yeah, we try to edge a little bit of that in. And we're maybe not as careful as some families are we have our eldest who'll ride a bike to school on his own um he's nine so he'll ride from here to school and he finds that quite adult he feels quite adult in that <laughs> <laughs> and so, and quite often sometimes he will ride with the seven-year-old as well so they'll go together and look after each other and they usually want to be picked up at the end of the day with the car and the bike rack because it's <laughs> uphill like that on the way home. Yes, don't blame them. <laughs> uphill. So, uh, however, I know, yeah, I remember having a little bit of freedom. We lived in the end of a cul-de-sac, which was fairly quiet and would go down the steep driveway on our bikes and all sorts of crazy things <laughs> yes. however yeah I, th I think you'd always do worry about your your kids and stuff like that but I worry I think more for me that the time they're spending outside is less than it used to be right. Mm, right. for other generations yes yes and you know we being out in the country where we live with when my children were growing up we raised show lambs. They both showed lambs through um, FFA, through the school, even, and they both started in, when they were in third grade. And so my kids were outside a lot, but they had a lot of farm, and I want to say duties or chores, but not really. It was just the way we lived. They mm. took care of the animals. They played in the horse trailer a lot. You know, they would get in there with their friends and Chelsea her and her friends would do like tea parties in the horse trailer and my son and and his friends were riding bulls or whatever just yeah. different just yeah. the different take but they were outside a lot and and I was grateful for that something else that I think about is cell phones you know mm. we didn't have when I was growing up of course that wasn't even 
you know, we were lucky to be able to afford to make a long distance phone call on a Mm -hmm. landline, but we got our kids cell phones when they were in middle school. Mm -hmm. And I know kids get them at all different ages, but once they had them, I really liked it because it was instant access to them. You know, I always could know that they were okay, where they were, what Mm. was going on, you know, and um, my mom and I talked about that. I told her, I said, I don't know how you raise teenagers without a cell phone. She said, we didn't know any different. She said, it would have been nice, but we didn't know any different. She said, we would wait, lay in bed at night and listen for the car sound and, you know, not take a deep breath until we heard it rolling in the driveway. Whereas, Mm. you know, with mine, they could text or call and say, I'm on my way home. And I knew they were safe long mm. before my parents knew that we were safe coming in. Yeah. Yep. So there's something to be said for that. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. I just want to back up for a second on something that okay. you were saying earlier about 13 schools in 12 years and moving <laughs> around a lot. Did you find mm-hmm. that quite unsettling? Do you think? Uh, has that had an impact on your adult life as well it has I think it's in a good way in a bad way both and I don't know bad way is a a really the correct term when I was younger I really didn't mind it but the older I got it was harder to move and I think one of the ways that it's impacted me in more of a negative way is that I don't have any friends from growing up that I'm still in contact with Because we would, you know, if you're there for a year or less or three or four years max, and you're that young, especially with the lack of cell phones and internet and things we have now, and you move, you lose contact and you're done basically. And so um, my high school years, it was difficult to, to pack up and move because I would start making friends and like where we were, and then we would move. And my brother was in high school the four years that we were in Hereford. So he completed, and he was there for those four years. So that was good for him. And he still has friends from that time. And But my high school, and I may be misspeaking, but without going back and counting on my fingers, I think I, I went to either four or five different high schools in four years. Well, actually for me, high school was only three years because my freshman year I was in what we call a middle school and now it's in high school, but where I mm. lived at the time it was middle school. And so moving that often, and when you move into a place when you're older like that, people have friends that they've had for a long time. So it's hard to break into the friendships yes. and that was difficult. And, but on the positive side, it's hard for me to meet a stranger I'm, I'm comfortable walking into a place by myself. Doesn't bother me. You know, I'm in, in a, you know, any given situation, I'm pretty well comfortable because I guess just because that's what I did growing up. I was always, I was always new. I was alone a lot at first, sitting and eating by myself at lunch. And I mean, all the things that new kids do, you know, and so I kind of got used to that. So those kind of things don't bother me mm. and I meet people quickly, I can talk to pretty much anyone, you know, and so I think that aspect, I think it's, it's kind of molded and helped me in some ways like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. While we are talking about the house you grew up in and the memories that that holds, a lot of those wouldn't be there without very special conversations. And I think the house you live in also, it 
is exposed to so many conversations like the difficult ones, the ugly ones, the good ones, the beautiful ones. There's so much that happens inside those four walls Mm -hmm. that it doesn't always venture out into your everyday life either. Right, right. Mm. I think that's the beauty of a home though, Mm. is because it is a safe place and, you know, the, the things that happen there can stay there you know, if they need Mm. to. And, and I guess, I don't know, now that I say that, I guess in some situations that might not be a good thing, but fortunately Mm. in all of mine, it has been a good thing. You know, it's, it's been a safe Mm. place where we could air difficulties or problems or happy times even, and know that they were safe within these four walls. Mm. What are some of the most important memorable conversations that you've had? within your current four walls? Oh gosh, there was, <laughs> there's been a lot, um, you know, cause mm. we've been here 28 years going through a marriage, raising two children through their teenage years. We've had a lot of conversations. And, and one thing that I think about is my son is my oldest child and he's very sensitive. He has a lot of my personality and mm-hmm. I, I tell him a lot of times, I'm so sorry, hon. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, I, I just know how yep. you feel. That's mm-hmm. all I can tell you. Mm-hmm. But yep. you I know, feel like the will... same with my eldest son as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you know where I'm coming from. Yeah. You know, we have that conversation a lot. When something didn't go quite right or needed to be fixed or whatever, I was always telling, you know, this is a life lesson. And he got fairly early on to where he was like, you know, mom, I just don't like life lessons. They hurt. You know, every time I've had a life lesson, they hurt. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're right. They do. But it's a, mm. a good thing that you're learning it now and can go on. So, you know, we had a lot of those kind of conversations and decision-making, you know, I think about sitting at the table with my daughter, trying to figure out what she's going to do with her life, you know, what, mm. what she wants to do when she grows up. And those are kind of hard and difficult conversations sometimes because you as a parent can see some things in them that they can't see in themselves, especially when they're teenagers and mm. things they don't necessarily want to see. And having some of those conversations is not easy, no. but they're necessary. And it's kind of funny when our, our both of our kids went to college and I am a retired teacher And although teaching in Texas is not very lucrative, it's a very good job. You know, it's stable and you're off and your kids are off and there's a lot of perks to it, except for the money. They don't pay very well, (laughs) but you know, it's okay. So you don't do it for the money, but uh, we encouraged and really almost insisted that they both get a teaching degree along with their other degree. Well, my son did. And, and, you know, he went as far, he did his student teaching. He's, if he needs to step into the teaching realm, he can do it. Well, my daughter just absolutely refused. She said, I am not doing that because I'm not going to be a teacher. I grew up with a teacher. I don't want to be a teacher. You know, so we have this conversation. She wouldn't do it. So she graduates and she's from college and she had been out maybe two months, not long at all. And she called. 
I need to tell you something, but I'm afraid you're going to be mad at me. And I was like, oh no, you know, I don't, that's never a good start to a conversation. She said, I'm going back to get my alternative certification so I can become a teacher. I was like, really? <laughs> my son will never use his because that's just not, you know, he's got his career going and then she didn't get it and needed it. He got it, didn't need it, you know, so just conversations like that and conversations between my husband and I raising our kids and um <clears throat> oh yes <laughs> yeah you know that's <laughs> you know and yeah. as you grow and I don't know there's just been a, been a lot you know mm. it's um mm. you know sometimes yeah. you think you know if these four walls could talk but then again sometimes you're really glad they can't <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> very true yeah, and I think with a one-year-old, that first year of sometimes not very much sleep at all and right. conflict in how you may be approaching some parenting styles differently or feeling that, like there could be a little bit of an unequal balance in what's happening in yeah. the house and all mm -hmm. sorts of things like that. That's very present for me right now. So Yes. Mm. Yes, it's um, it's all a learning process. When we first moved here, you know, like I said, we have um, horses, and at the time we did not have the sheep, but we have horses and cattle. And my husband would leave on Monday mornings and not get back until Thursday evenings for work. He works for the railroad, and so you know, we were the three of us, the children and I were here through the week with all the animals. So I was working a full-time job, had the children and oh taking care of the animals. And there were, and it wasn't, this is not sliding him because he was having to do what he had to do. And I understand that. And mm -hmm. I'm not talking bad about him at all, believe me. Mm -hmm. But there were times when, you know, I would get up early in the morning, I would go to the barn and feed and we have horses and stalls. And so you clean the stalls so they don't, you know, the poop doesn't pile up. It's just a daily thing. But there were mornings and not, not often, but every now and then I would go out there and I remember I would just sit down in the middle of the barn floor and cry for about mm. two or three minutes. And then I'd get my stuff together and I'd get up and do what needed to be done and go on with my day. But, you know, it would just get to be so much sometimes, you know. Yeah. Yep. It really does. And, uh, and that, that could have been part of the saving you know saving grace that you yeah, could just yeah. <laughs> able to cry for two or three minutes yes, and then just, like what okay just, yeah let's keep yeah, going just yeah. get it out and keep mm. going and then as <clears throat> times have gone on and my husband and I have talked about that <clears throat> his part of that is being gone from home he would not sit down and cry because man that's not the way men handle things but he remembers being in a hotel with nothing to do no family having to eat storm our uh, cafe food or whatever and wanting to cry I mean you know he said you know that was his end of it where this was my end of it so it wasn't easy on him either no you know? and he he probably wanted oh yes to feed and yes yes children exactly. children to put to bed and all sorts <laughs> right, of things you know so. so that wasn't and thankfully that only lasted a few years he got his seniority and was able mm. to start staying home but what's really funny is when he was able to be home we kind of all had to have a, a sit down because you know we had our routine and the way uh -huh. we did things and <laughs> 
Oh, yes. <laughs> but we worked it out pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. It's, it requires yeah. constant adjustment, I think. Yes, it does. You know, it's just life. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what's so important to me about something like the Sunday roast because we don't spend enough time doing that, gathering around and taking time it's all part of the unraveling that's happening in these conversations and no doubt will happen more as I progress as well <laughs> can you tell me about one of your favorite memories we had so many good conversations around our kitchen table and we were always so busy that we didn't you know Linda we didn't always get to sit down and have a meal together but usually Sundays were the day and a lot of times it really wasn't, uh, for us, it really was more a Sunday breakfast before church because my husband always makes a big breakfast on the weekends. And that really is our Sunday roast, is a big Sunday breakfast. And the kids would be out taking care of animals or, you know, doing chores in the morning and they would come in and we would sit down and all enjoy just this huge breakfast together and just talk about anything. You know, the conversation typically is centered around the children and what was going on in their lives, what they were doing, but it was always um, good conversation and great food. And you know what I, thinking back, you know what I hear? I hear laughter and I hear the clinking of the silverware on the plates and the serving dishes and the, um, <laughs> You know, the the frying of the bacon, I hear all those sounds and it really brings back a warmth in my heart. I just, I really love that memory. And it wafts through the house in a way, I think as well, oh, where yeah. you almost can smell it again when you come back in at lunchtime or yeah. it just lingers a little bit and so you're left with that that warm, cozy feeling for the rest of the day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Almost, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, um, I, I know other times, like when I'm somewhere, like I don't teach anymore, I'm retired, but when I was teaching and I would have children come into school in the mornings and they smelled like breakfast, you know, mm. the bacon and the <laughs> eggs and you could smell it on them, it just brought in such good memories of, my family and the breakfast, just, just that scent, you know, it's just crazy. It would take me back to those mornings that we would sit together and, you know, and have a big breakfast when the oh. kids were growing up. It's just great memories. Yeah. So good. <laughs> and even for me, we had a tradition for a very long time where my uncle would bring a ham for Christmas, like a cold, cold meat that he usually won in the RSL raffle or something like that, like that. And we would have ham on toast for breakfast. Oh, so yeah. that's something that we wouldn't normally have through the year. And it's just something really special about ham on toast, like ham off the bone on toast and oh, the crunch and the yes. juiciness of the meat at the same time is, yeah. So it takes me to there at the same time. <laughs> right, right. Isn't it crazy how the thought of the um, 
or just remembering a smell like that or the, like you say, the crunch on the toast, how it can take you right back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were talking about your, your ham at Christmas and it made me think every Christmas, and I can't tell you how many years we've been doing this. Um, golly, I'm going to say probably 33 years A very dear friend of our family every year at Christmas has given us a huge, wonderful ham. And that's been our Christmas dinner every year. And we laugh and, you know, I mean, we joke with him, telling him when he's gone, we hope it's in his will that we continue to get hams. You know, it's a joke, but um, it's just been such a part of our lives for so many years, that Christmas ham. But one year in particular, we got a ham and it was, I don't know, I can't remember what you call it, where it's, where they hang it and it's wrapped in cheesecloth and you don't refrigerate it, it's hung. And so they, you know, it comes not refrigerated and it's wrapped in cheesecloth. And I remember my husband always cooks the ham at Christmas. He always puts it in the oven and, you know, babysits it and it's just done to perfection. And this year he took that cheesecloth off and it was all moldy. Or, you know, there was like mold all around the outside. And we were like, oh my goodness, you know, do we, do we let Wendell know that this ham is ruined? Because we know he paid dearly for it. And, you know, we had that conversation back and forth and like, you know, what are we going to do for, what are we going to do for Christmas today? Because it is actually Christmas morning, you know, and nothing is open. And of course I don't have an extra ham in storage and we were getting ready really to just put the ham away, you know, get rid of it and happened to look at the paper that came with it. And it says that a fresh ham like that, when it is hung to be stored, that it will under the cheesecloth will actually have mold and you just wash it off and then cook as normal. And so we've always laughed at that because we almost threw away this wonderful ham, not knowing how to prepare it ourselves. And it really was so good. But that is just, that's, that is a great memory is our Christmas hams along with our Sunday morning breakfast. So those are two very good Sunday roast memories for my family and I. Oh, thank you so much. This has been a really great conversation. That's it. But I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. It was nice to kind of walk down memory lane a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's definitely. And there's so many that really do capture both the memories past and I think are very relevant to our present and future as well. Yes, yes. It's it's kind of neat to, as you talk about it, to think about how it all ties in, even though it's generations, you know, but it's, it ties in together. Mm. And I guess that's the whole purpose of life. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and a beautiful note to end on as well. Yes. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you, Linda. I appreciate it. It is so wonderful to speak to Holly and hear her story outside editing her podcast episodes. (laughs) Holly is such a dear and special person in my life and always will be, I believe. There's a magic there that she brings in all of her interactions and conversations. Gosh, we only really touch the surface in this conversation. There is something so special about really 
uh, embracing that third half of life, which Holly does so beautifully. It inspires me every day. Another person who is also in their third half of life and a bit of a surprise guest (laughs) is actually my mum. I got to sit down with my mum around her table with a cup of tea and find out more about my own heritage, take her on a bit of a trip down memory lane at the same time and explore some of those stories in my older years compared to hearing them as a child. Take a listen to my mum, see if you can see any resemblance in our voices. There's a little bit there, actually. I can remember one particular time. Stephen and I would have been about four, and the five of us all went up the orchard, and Mum had said to us, don't go near the well. (laughs) And, of course, what what did did we do? do? (laughs) We went near the well, (laughs) and Stephen fell in, and we managed to get him out. Right. And... We decided to put him in the pine tree on the way home to um, wish him up and down on a branch to get him dry before he got home. And he started throwing pine cones at us while we were trying to get him dry. (laughs) And of course then we got home and Mum saw how dirty he was and her first reaction was... I told you kids not to go near the well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was a bit interesting. <laughs> to hear more about current projects and the book, please head over to lindabonnie.com. I welcome you to the community and thank you so much for joining us. <laughs>